You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. The tech stack can be a beast hasn't necessarily brought marketers to the promised land that they tend to envision when adopting the next shiny thing. Sandeep Shanakushu, COO of digital imaging radar company Undar, says too many marketers fall into the trap of constantly adding more and more tech tools, but failing to ask what they want to do with them. Shanakushu, author of Your Company is Your Castle, Proven Methods for Building a Resilient Business, says marketers need to be much more selective when it comes to investing in technology, and says it's not a matter of adding new tools, but finding the right ones, augmented by rigorous testing and smart diagnostics. I recently spoke with Shanakushu about the key questions marketers need to ask to make sure their tech stack provides solid returns, how to build what he calls a sticky business model, and why it's increasingly important for marketers not to miss the gorilla in the room or a market disruption that could rattle your company. Sandeep, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Matthew. Sandeep, new technologies are coming at marketers fast and furious, whether it's generative AI or chat GPT. So what are some of the main challenges when it comes to marketers working more effectively with IT and establishing a blueprint for dealing with all these developments in technology? You know, the question of tools is relevant not only to marketing, but almost every part of the business I have worked with. You know, there are a plethora of tools out there. And what you can't do is to fall into the trap of constantly building more and more tools. What do you want to achieve with the tool? For example, let's say revenue generation is key. I typically focus on three C's. What is my coverage for my products? Are my tools helping me get the right coverage, the reach, the impressions, so that I get as wide an audience? Do my tools help me with assessing my product competitiveness, that's the second C, versus the competition and the market needs or customer, what customers value? And the third is, do my tools help me with conversion? That means converting product sales into revenue. You have to pick the appropriate tools and have certain metrics to check out their effectiveness. When you do that, you can actually then assess if you have a problem, then is it because of your process? Is it because of your tools? Or is it because of your people? you got to pick tools that are effective, not more tools, but the right tools. If you think that AI is important, it's a great statistical pattern matching tool, then you should go check it out. It's important to test the tools. So perhaps marketers need to be a little bit more discriminating when it comes to which tools they choose? Absolutely. More tools is not necessarily better. It just gets a lot confusing and it costs a lot. One of the companies I worked with had 300 tools and many of them were not used. We had to do an analysis to say, how do we prune this because you're paying license fees? And aside from winnowing down the tools, what are some of the general mistakes marketers make when it comes to building more sustainable business models via technology? I don't know whether marketers make mistakes. I'm not qualified to answer that, but what I typically find is when building business models and to make sustainable business models, you need to worry about stickiness. In the face of competition and fierce competition, will your customers stay with you? 
what is their barrier to switch? I always try to assess my business models on two dimensions. What is the value my product or service brings to the customer? What is the replacement cost for the customer? If the replacement cost is very high and the value is very high, your business model is likely to be sustainable. When you gauge your business model, try to find out if you have these two factors. Look at the iPhone, for example. When people get used to its interface and its store and how to use the product, they're very unlikely to switch to another product because they're vested in it. Another example is cloud services. You build a massive set of applications on your favorite cloud service and you deploy it to hundreds of customers or thousands of customers, you're very unlikely to tear it all down and move to another cloud service because you actually invested a value into and you made your, your value proposition on that product. That's what you want to figure out when you look at business models, how to get customers to invest in your product so they build a skyscraper on it. It becomes a foundation. Those are business models that last. At the heart of your new book, Your Company is Your Castle, is building a company that can withstand the test of time, not to mention hordes of invaders akin to a medieval castle. So my question is, how do CMOs and marketers help to build those structures that are going to fortify the castle? In my book, I talk about eight elements. And these eight elements are, how do you basically build a sticky business model and generate a lot of cash? Next, what is your strategy in order to achieve that? And then do you have a culture that aligns with your strategy? How do you define winning products? How do you deliver those winning products at the right cost, quality, and time? How do you execute in order to achieve your goals? The last two things are how do you build successful sales channels? And how do you build stakeholder confidence, meaning investors, customers, and employees? And I think marketers can focus on these eight elements. They can contribute by building a sticky model a business model. They can define those winning products by good market knowledge and how to intersect trends. The third is they can help with culture because that's internal. How do they shore up the culture in order to deliver to the strategy by inclusion and engagement of the employees? And finally, they can impact building productive sales channels by looking and seeing how to basically address your go-to-market channels and what are the incentives that creates conversion. And maybe this is all the same piece, but part of the knock on marketing is that CMOs and marketers can be at a remove from the rest of the company. So how do CMOs cultivate ties throughout their organization so they are more systematically involved in making the company stronger? There are departments in the company that are either alienated or removed from the core operations. But I think to, with more than CMOs, I think that is the job of the CEO or president or the head of the business. In all the businesses that I ran, I ensured three things. The first is I tried to make sure that my marketing department was an essential part of creating the strategy, that they were an equal voice at the table. I wanted to hear how they thought about the business model, about the market trends, about the strategy, poke holes in it from their perspective. The second is you have to make sure that the marketing goals are in alignment with the other goals of the company. So everyone's rowing in the same direction. So their goals cannot be conflicting with the goals of the company. 
And the third is I try to transfer people. Let's say I was in a very engineering centric business, right? And I try to transfer people from engineering into marketing so that the two teams now could talk to each other in the same language and build bonds. Because when you do that, it is much more likely that the marketing ideas are also accepted by the stronger engineering department. These are three techniques that I did in order to make sure that marketing was an integral part of my overall business. As we head into a break, does the fish rot from the head when it comes to a lack of marketing execution? In the end, if you look at it, the head of the business is the one who has, he's the quarterback or he or she. And they have to figure out how they use their players. You cannot throw the ball left field and have your running back and the right and say, hey, why didn't you catch the ball? <laughs> it is the job of the top person to make sure that they use their teams effectively so that one plus one equals three. Stay with us. There's more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding Greater Good magazine. Greater Good covers a wide array of brands and organizations that are looking to do good for humanity. Stories run the gamut, from a program sponsored by Chipotle to reduce food insecurity, to the eco-initiatives of the U.S. Postal Service, to the New York Islanders providing funding for canines to become guide dogs. The publication is designed to inspire marketers, along with the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publication at www.ana.net slash champions of greater good. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Sandeep Shanakishu, COO of software firm Under, which provides radar technology about how CMOs and marketers get a better handle on technology and boost their overall value. Sandeep, marketers help to build the brand, of course, but how does that translate into building a company culture? Culture is quite internal. When culture and strategy clash, culture always wins. Strategy is what you want to get done or you desire to get done. Culture determines what you actually do get done. How do you basically align the two? In every business I ran, my marketing and communication department helped me a lot in order to basically align culture. The first thing is they helped me raise awareness. Awareness is trying to find out what issues does the company need to resolve in order to be successful. And you do this through a number of things, town halls, where you can record videos of customers, interviews, and let the customers tell you candidly what they think of the company. Number two is uh, you can arrange roundtables where we documented employees' concerns and try to address them. Third is have regular newsletters written by management to the employees to inform them what was management doing, not to always ask the employees to do something for the company. What are we doing in order to move the company forward? The second area is that I used to get the marketing department and communication department to clearly articulate our goals and make sure that they were circulated throughout the company. I call them know your numbers. I wanted every person in the company to know their numbers. The third is when you have these two set, you have to provide regular validation and reinforcement that you're on the right path. Because if you set out a strategy with goals and as you go along, you're not hitting them, it's a problem. So every customer win, every win, every, every success we had, we would amplify it to show how this went towards meeting our goals. That timely reinforcement helped everyone 
believed that the strategy is working and what they were doing to contribute to the strategy was amplified. So they knew what were the behaviors and what were the actions that led to success. That's what was appreciated and that builds culture. When you say no, the numbers, however, that puts the onus on the CMO, on his or her marketing team to have a handle on the data. When you say know your numbers, we typically set metrics for the overall company. We got to figure out how are we doing towards those metrics? What exactly are we doing wrong if we are not hitting them? How do you mine that data, correlate it, and try to find the root cause so we can actually tell the employees this is what's going wrong? It's not good to just complain that something is wrong. Like, what are you going to do about it? And as the head of the business, it is my job to say, okay, if this is going wrong, let me help in figuring out how we should fix it. And this is what I want to do. Because you should never always complain. You should basically figure out what's the solution, because that's what people gravitate towards. Your book also mentions several attributes of highly productive sales channels. How do marketers add to that productivity, considering some of the challenges of sales and marketing alignment, which can be pretty chronic in the industry? First and foremost, you need to have very clear roles and responsibilities between sales and marketing. You don't want these teams to be working at cross purposes. I got marketing to help me make productive sales channels in three areas. One is, how do you pick the right go-to-market channels and to monitor their performance continuously to see how are they doing on revenue, how are they doing on contribution margin, and how are they doing on velocity of conversion? Second, how can the marketing incentives help improve sales? I like to think of sales as water flowing like a river. There are several dams along the way. These incentives need to open the right sluice gates in order to let water flow. You want your incentives to be rewards for performance. You don't want them to be entitlement. And I distinguish this by saying you pay for performance. You don't pay to play. The last one is forecasting. How do you make sure that you have the right tools in order to forecast so that you can build product to those forecasts? Otherwise, you're either stuck with a lot of inventory or you're going to miss your revenue numbers. These are three areas where marketing can contribute tremendously to the success of a company. Are sales and marketing on separate islands at too many companies? You know, marketers work on top of the funnel and sales works at the bottom of the funnel. There are several layers in between. You know, you have marketing accepted leads, marketing qualified leads, sales accepted leads, it will get. The problem is you need a common set of metrics in order to manage the funnel. You need sales and marketing and the business units to jointly define what is a good lead. What are the metrics that define it? What are the criteria to choose something? On the top of the funnel, if you put in junk, at the bottom of the funnel, you're going to get junk. How do they jointly define it with common metrics to make sure the quality of the funnel is good? And when they do that, there's a lot more success. Now, a couple of things I did was make sure that we all agreed on the same criteria for qualification. The second is when we regularly reviewed this, the funnel as a team, and figured out what was going wrong. And it was not just to blame marketing for what happened, but we had to jointly solve it. And you want to take actions and decisions based on what's coming up to works. The last thing is, of course, common compensation, because you cannot compensate people for doing two different things and then assume that something will become okay. Is that the main barrier, compensation? It's all three. It's basically making sure that you have the same criteria. Compensation is one part. 
it's also having the same criteria and rules for what goes through the funnel. So they're not different expectations. And then when there is a problem, you need to also have a regular follow-up. And when there is a problem, you've got to figure it out and take common actions so that somebody says, hey, I was not involved. You need this to be collaborative. Now, of course, there's always one owner for a task, but there could be several contributors and the contributors need to help the owner. And how do marketers leverage technology when it comes to improving relationships with sales? It's metrics. It's defining the right diagnostic metrics. By diagnostic metrics, I mean metrics need to be thermostats. They can't be thermometers. You can't look at something after the fact and report what happened. You need to be able to react. You need to define diagnostic metrics. If you can use tools and techniques that give you that diagnosis, you're probably going to be a lot more successful. What are some of the steps CMOs and marketers can take to play more of a leadership role? So they're not only protecting the company, but expanding it. There are three things that I have sought from my chief marketing officer or head of marketing. The first is I'd like them to tell me, the whole department to tell me, what are the predictive market trends or market knowledge? Can they, what can they give me? to understand if there's going to be a disruption. Because the last thing is, I don't want to miss the gorilla in the room. I'd like to get enough information and, of course, analytical information to say what are trends, what are disruptive trends that can squash us. The second is, I'd like for them to actually help me build my sticky business model by looking at various aspects and actually challenging the business model to show me that it's not sticky and what must we do to make it sticky. And the third is to focus on the three C's of revenue, coverage, competitiveness of the products, and conversion. And we'll have to leave it there. Sandeep, thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Matthew. To learn more about your company is your castle, proven methods for building a resilient business, go to Amazon.com. Be sure to tune in next time when I welcome Jerry DeVard, founder of Becca, Black Executive CMO Alliance, to talk about the challenges of spurring diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout the marketing industry. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.